Hello, and welcome to the Gotham Sleepcast, a slow and sleepy reading of DC Comics. My name's Adam, and thank you for joining me again for another super sleepy episode. If you're a new listener, all you need to know is that the show is intentionally slow, a bit droney, and kind of boring and that's to help you switch off and to get a good night's sleep or to just get some time away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Now as someone who struggles getting to sleep I often find myself uh, listening to some of the great comic book podcasts that are available now. But then I fall asleep in the middle of the podcast and I'm always missing out on some of the amazing reviews and important discussions about DC Comics. So I took some time out and I decided to create a podcast that you're allowed to fall asleep to. Now, every episode features two comic books from the last few months. Um, Nothing too recent and nothing too old. I'll simply read through each book using a soft and very boring tone on purpose. And as a listener, the one thing that you need to remember is that you don't really have to listen. You you don't have to pay much attention and you don't have to worry about missing anything. The podcast is here and I'm here for you and to let you know that this is your time now and your opportunity to relax and to get a good night's sleep. So let's not waste any more time. It's time to get comfortable under the covers and get your pillow fluffed up and in that sweet spot that feels just right for you. Or if you're on your sofa, you can have a little stretch and just close your eyes. Or if you're just taking some time out from the noise of the day to day life, just Sit down and get comfy on your chair. And now we can slowly drift back over the rooftops of a dark and rainy Gotham and see what's happening in town tonight. So the first book that we're going to be reading tonight is Nightwing, issue number 78. My copy is a variant copy, I believe, and it has quite a stylistic cover. There's a lot of blue that's used in this particular cover as we seem to be looking up at... Gotham or Bloodhaven from the ground and we can see 
quite a simplistic illustration of the buildings as if we're looking up to the sky. The sky is just a plain white non-detailed sky as we get a very close-up image of Nightwing who's diving down from one of the buildings towards us and it's a much more detailed illustration of Nightwing. It's a very different cover. I did pick this one out because I enjoyed the way that it looked. Uh, I like the use of blue. Blue is definitely my favorite color. And yeah, there was just something different about this one. So let's open this book up and start with page one. And we start with Gotham Heights Park then. So this is a flashback of some kind. And it says, I've always disliked bullies. And we get an image of a snowy winter park. It looks very much like Central Park in New York in the in the winter. We've got snowy benches and lamps that line the walkway. Very reminiscent of Tim Burton's Batman Returns kind of imagery. And we can see there's a group of young men pushing over another young man and they're laughing. We see a young man falling to the ground and in the background a red-haired girl running towards them and she's shouting, leave him alone. The main boy in the gang turns and says to the girl, you got a problem, girl? And we see that this is Shelton Lyle. It says, we're perfect teeth met privilege and the red-haired girl looks up at him and says yeah I do we get some more explanation of who Shelton is it says he came from money his dad owned an insurance company renowned for not paying out people paid for a safety net then Shelton's dad took the net away when they needed it most he had it all and expected to always get his way because he always had. And we hear another person off screen or off the panel shout, hey. And Shelton turns and says, seriously, you really want to butt in? And we turn the page and we see that it's Dick Grayson, a young Dick Grayson. He's wearing a yellow puffer jacket, like a winter coat, grey jeans and blue boots or high top trainers. I think they're more like a winter boot. And it says, bullies didn't really get to me personally. After Tony Zuko killed my parents, there wasn't much left that could hurt me. And let's face it, you need thick skin to go through life named Dick, which is quite a funny little uh, little bit to put in early in the comic. It says Shelton was raised to believe hurting people was something to aspire to. And we see Shelton turn to Dick while the injured boy is still on the ground and he says, Yeah, I know who you are. I caught your last act at the circus. Best thing I've ever seen. And then we get a close-up of Shelton's face and it says, 
The flying Graysons guess they couldn't fly after all. And Dick turns to him and says, walk away, leave the kid alone. And Shelton gets in close to Dick's face and says, are you stupid? And Dick responds, I can count at least. I assume you can't, otherwise you'd know you had three on one here, and that's pretty pathetic. And it says Shelton was two years older and had about a foot on me. Shelton gets annoyed and swears at Dick and takes a swing for him, but Dick ducks. He says, but he'd never considered other people before. It meant he underestimated me and lost some perfect teeth. And in that particular panel, we see that when Shelton swung for Dick, he uh, ducked, Dick ducked down and then came back up and with his head injured Shelton and Shelton lost a few teeth. And then Dick jumps in and takes on the rest of the gang along with the red-haired girl. It says, of course, he had goons. They always have goons. Guys drawn to power who seem to want to bask in the glow of worst of the worst people on earth. And it says, I got in a good few hits. And then things turned and we see a police car with its lights flashing attending the park. And Shelton, who's clearly injured now, says, Cops, oh, you're in so much trouble. My dad owns the police. And the young redhead girl says, You think they'll listen to... You think they'll listen to you over me? What do you think? And we turn the page, and that's when it's revealed that her dad is Commissioner Gordon or at least a detective Gordon at this point. And the young red-headed girl is Barbara Gordon. Uh, it says it was not Shelton's day. I was supposed to keep a low profile and we see the police car driving through the gates and ar uh, arriving at Wayne Manor. It says, here we are, Mr. Grayson. And Barbara presses her hands and face against the inside of the glass on the car door and says, whoa, you live in a castle? And Dick responds, no, well, kinda. Barbara says, do you have a dragon in a moat? And Dick responds, no. And Barbara continues to joke and says, do your dishes spontaneously break into musical numbers? And once again, Dick just replies, no. Barbara says, it was nice to meet you, Dick. If you ever get locked in the tower and need to be rescued, just send your fairy godmother to find me. And at the bottom it says, I knew Bruce was going to be angry, but Bruce wasn't in. And we see uh, Alfred on the steps of the house, shaking hands with Gordon. And it says, well, thank you for bringing him home, Detective Gordon. Uh, in the kitchen, Dick started to wash the dishes and uh, Alfred says, I was in the middle of those dishes, Master Grayson. And Dick says, you can, you can dry if you want. And Alfred says, you realize that this 
is my job. Alfred moves a little bit closer to Dick in the kitchen and Dick says, sure, and you realise I'm never going to be cool with that. Uh, I just wanted to help. And Alfred says, I know you seem to live by those words. You fought free students. And Dick responds, there was a kid. They were hurting him. I'm sorry, Alfred. Alfred moves over a little bit closer and smiles and puts his hand on Dick's shoulder and says, Master Bruce may feel you should only be a hero when wearing a costume, but I'm glad Dick Grayson steps up when someone is in need. It takes a different hero to help without a mask. And we turn the page and we get a nice two-page spread of Gotham City with uh, the sun rising in the morning. And it's interesting to see Gotham in this way or Bloodhaven in this way where it's not grey and rainy and dark and the, the sun is this massive ball of yellow and orange that's glowing. Uh, the, the buildings are glowing pink and red and we see the silhouette of Nightwing uh, jumping across the sun, almost having a E.T. moment, but with the sun instead of the moon. And that's where we start part one, which is called Leaping into the Light. And we have a couple of advertisements. And then we come to present day and we see a bunch of... Uh, Looks like college kids or high school kids chasing a distressed uh, dog. And it says, Bloodhaven doesn't have the madness of Gotham. It's just cruel. And we see these teenagers being extremely uh, nasty towards this animal. They're laughing and saying, do it again. And it says, the problem is cruelty teaches cruelty. And as the dog is sort of resting on the ground... We see some familiar legs appear with a blue and black suit on. And it says, you know, and we see, turn the page and we see Nightwing and he says, I'd usually open with something disarming and witty, but then I'm not usually this disgusted. And it is some really sad and disgusting behavior that we're seeing. And it's nice to see that Nightwing is turning up to deal with issues that are like this. One of the college kids says, we're just having some fun, man. And Nightwing responds with a very stern, serious face. Your idea of fun is torturing small animals. You need to broaden your horizons, people. Find something less destructive. Maybe catch a movie or take up ice skating. But then one of the college kids out of his, uh, like he's got one of those kind of like college jackets on. He pulls um, a gun from his jacket and says, I guess the fun's over then. And we see Nightwing is not impressed with this kid pointing the gun at the animal. And he uses his sticks and removes the gun from the guy's hand and says, I'm not letting you shoot a puppy in the head. 
And then we see a really nice, um, very descriptive illustration of how Nightwing is using his acrobatic skills to deal with the bad guys. He says, in my experience, the next thing you know, the dog will have lost its memory and be driving a cab. And with or without amnesia, a dog shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car. Let me turn the pages. A couple more advertisements. And we see that Nightwing has quite easily dealt with these four college students. And we see the silhouette of the dog stood next to him, who seems to have taken a bit of a liking to Nightwing. Nightwing says to him, Hey, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. And just as he says that, the dog, who's in a little bit of an anxious state, uh, bites Nightwing on the hand. It says, this poor girl has come through a lot and doesn't trust anyone. He says, I remember that well. And we get four very simple panels that are almost similar to instructional illustrations that you'd find maybe in an aircraft and it shows how Nightwing uses his stick uh, that has some kind of a, like a grapple cable at, inside it and he uses that to attach to a building and fly away almost and he's got the dog tucked under his arm and he says right vet for you and doctor for me we turn the page and we're now under a bridge somewhere. There's a very large gentleman with what appears to be long hair, I think, at the back. And it says, I've always disliked bullies and this city is run by them. And we see a smaller man in what looks like a police uniform talking to the larger man and it says, they're here, Mr. Desmond. And the larger man says, good, Commissioner McLean. He says, I used to stand up to Blockbuster and all the other criminals, but I went away and they got worse. And the larger man says, I am not happy, Mr. Mayor. And the mayor arrives and says, I do have office hours, Roland, and an office. Meeting at night under a bridge feels like a certain way to attract trolls. And Nightwing's narration continues and says, And too many people have resigned themselves to not be able to fight against it. Uh, we see the commissioner from Bloodhaven opening a case and he says, uh, We hear a voice saying a number of my operations have stagnated, Mr. Mayor. Uh, and we see a female with a long brown coat on and what seems to be uh, some kind of a bobble hat. It says, you have spreadsheets really putting the organized in organized crime there. And the bigger man says, don't pretend to be shocked by a well-run operation, Miss Council President. I know who your family are. I know where you've come from. And the group continued to stand under the bridge. And uh, the mayor says, this is your business blockbuster. What do you expect me to do? And the larger man that we know is blockbuster now says, I expected you to do 
as you were told, but you failed me. And the mayor continues, are we just here so you can intimidate me? And Blockbuster says no. And Blockbuster grabs the mayor with his mayor's head with his hand. And Blockbuster's hand is so big that it can grab the entirety of the mayor's head. And as he does that, his his glasses break and the mayor says, what are you? And before he can finish, Blockbuster says, you're here so I can make an example of you as he lifts the mayor up. And we turn the page and we see that uh, Blockbuster has done some serious damage to the mayor. He says the mayor's body won't be found. As council president, you are next in line, Melinda. So the girl with the bobble hat is Melinda. Your job is to serve this city. I am this city. Do you understand? Melinda says, of course. And we get a nice illustration as they're stood under uh, a really bright amber street light. We see the silhouette of Blockbuster and Melinda. Blockbuster says, I've spoken to your father. He's a killer, but he's not a liar. I understand the two of you are estranged nonetheless. Tony spoke highly of you. And then he shakes Melinda's hand and says, Congratulations, Mayor Zuko. So it appears that Blockbuster is uh, setting up his control of Bloodhaven by removing the existing mayor and bringing in a new one of his own. And then we move to back into the city where we see a man walking down the street with what appears to be a pet carrier. So it looks like Dick's returning from the vets. And he says, six stitches and a vet bill, that hurts more than the bite. And I'm heading home. And he looks up at a four-story building, a red building, with arched windows, almost like church-style windows, and a fire escape running up the side. And he looks up and says, the whole apartment block is mine. I bought it years ago, back when I had Wayne money, but that's long gone. I'm running out of cash, and I don't even want to think about putting the rent up. And we get a shot of Dick, and he says something's wrong. He looks up at one of the windows, the only window that has a light on, and he says, someone's in my apartment. He begins to run towards the apartment, we turn the page and in a very short space of time Dick's managed to get into his Nightwing gear and he's now flying through the window of the apartment and it says whoever's in here I'm not giving them a chance to react. Go in fast, catch them by and then he says huh as you see a pair of hands from the darkness wrap around his arm and then fling him against what looks like the bedroom wall and we get a big fud and then we see a red-headed lady that says surprise and Nightwing says Babs because it is in fact Barbara Gordon again and we turn the page and 
Barbara is standing there in the apartment and she says, she's looking at the window and she says, if you're going to operate as a superhero out of an apartment, you need a better security uh, security system. Nightwing says, I have a cutting edge security system. And Barbara leans over and grabs his arm and helps him up off the bed. And she says, and anyone can walk right in here with years of trespassing skills and advanced defense disabling technology. Nightwing responds, did you just come to Bloodhaven to point out my shortcomings? And Barbara responds, no, that's an added bonus. And we get a close up of uh, Barbara's face and she says, there's something I need to share with. And before she can finish, you hear... Uh, the sound of the dog barking. Barbara turns looking confused and says, we're three stories up. And Nightwing says, yes. And Barbara says, does Bloodhaven have flying dogs? And Nightwing moves over to the window and holds onto the window frame and says, I mean, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing I've encountered in this city. And that's when he shows the dog that's just been outside the window on the fire escape to Barbara and she holds her head in her hands and falls in love with the dog. She holds the dog up above her shoulders, above her head in the air and says, what's her name? Nightwing says, she's going to the pound tomorrow. Her next owners will give her a name. Barbara responds as she's hugging the dog and says, Ha, sure you're so well known for turning your back on innocent creatures in need. And the second she came through that window, this became her forever home, just upset that you have a fur baby now, Dick Grayson. And Dick says, Babs, why are you here? Barbara turns and says, Because, well, as Oracle... I was chosen to be the uh, exec executor of uh, Alfred Pennyworth's will. And uh, I don't know why, I always struggle with that word for some reason. And uh, Nightwing takes off his mask and puts his head in his hand and says, Right. And Barbara says, You missed reading. You were. And Nightwing says, I was someone else. And Barbara says, yeah. And Barbara bends down and pulls a, what looks like either a computer or a file out of her bag and says, Dick, you should take a seat. This is, well, it's going to be a lot to take in. We turn the page and we see that it was a computer and uh, Barbara is leaning out of the apartment window and Dick's now sat on the fire escape with the computer which quite f funnily has the I think it has like a joker head instead of like an Apple logo on a MacBook and Dick says I I don't understand and Barbara says I'm not surprised it's a whole lot of zeros and Dick's in shock and holding his hand over his mouth he says he was and Barbara says, he was. And Nightwing says, why would a billionaire 
make me sandwiches and do my washing. So it seems that Dick's now discovering that Alfred was in fact a billionaire, but yet did all these amazing things for him and worked so hard to look after him. And Barbara looks uh, at Nightwing and says, for the same reason a billionaire would fight crime in Gotham, it's what he wanted to do. And she hands him a letter and says, this may explain it better. Um, Nightwing opens the letter and uh, Barbara kind of looks down and says, I haven't opened it. We turn the page and we get a beautiful drawing of uh, what looks like uh, either very early morning or sunset again and we see Nightwing uh, sat on the fire escape with his legs sort of dangling off the edge and Barbara sat on the steps and they've got the dog with them as well and it's a, a reading of the letter from Alfred to Dick Grayson it says Master Grayson please don't be alarmed I didn't foresee my own death given our line of work I write one of these every year. It seems prudent. I'm sure the fortune I'm leaving you comes as something of a shock. As Master Wayne's legal guardian, I was given a large amount of Wayne industry stock. I was also given a ludicrous amount of wealth that I had no need for. I invested much of this wisely and ethically and had planned to find a place where it would do the most good. In fact, I plan to come to you for advice. Like Bruce, your mind is astonishing. You can think in ways no one else can. You are a problem solver and the world is full of problems. I couldn't think of better hands to leave this fortune in. I believe you will see this, not as a personal gain, but as an opportunity. Because I believe in Dick Grayson. I believe in the boy who always stepped up when someone was in need. I believe in the man who just wants to help. Without wanting to apply too much pressure, I believe you can be one of the greatest forces for good this world has ever seen. Whatever you choose to do, please know I am exceedingly proud of you. Proud of your heart, proud of your compassion, proud of your humour, your optimism and your strength in the face of everything that confronts you. And above all, through we rarely say it aloud, I am very, I am so very proud to call you my son. So it's a very touching moment between Alfred and Dick through the letter that Alfred sent. We turn the page and we find ourselves in Upper Bloodhaven and we see someone leaning against the wall and it says, What happened, Melinda? And Melinda walks in and says, Blockbuster did what Blockbuster does. It wasn't subtle. And the other person says, So? Uh, it says, This city is mine. I'm mayor. And the other person's quite shocked and says, are you ready for this? And Melinda says, I am. 
And she says, what about Dick Grayson? Melinda says, I'm not ready for him yet. The other person says, you can't wait too long. You may not get another chance. And we see Melinda looking at a poster of the Flying Graysons with a red ring drawn around Dick Grayson's face. And Melinda says, I know, soon. And that is the end of issue 78 of Nightwing. And our second book tonight's going to be Batman and it's issue 102, Grapple with the Ghostmaker. And on the cover, we've got a really good action cover with a, a nice action pose between Batman and the Ghostmaker. Ghostmaker is, I don't know if he's jumping. It looks kind of like he's jumping a little bit. He's got a big flowing white cape and he's also holding two incredibly sharp looking swords as Batman kneels on one knee and defends himself. It's a really detailed and nice coloured, very cool colours in this cover uh, with the whites and the silvers and the light blues of Ghostmaker. Turning to page one, we see we're in Gotham City, the old town in its present day. And... We see a speech bubble that says, I hate this city, I really do. You'd think it's all just personal, but I didn't know him when I first came here. I was a teenager looking to improve myself. It didn't take me long to realise I wasn't going to improve here. No one does. And in this panel, it's a shot of Gotham City with a lot of construction work that's happening now in the city there's one two three four really really tall cranes and a number of structures that are currently uh, being built in Gotham City we move to the next panel and we're looking up upon one of the uh, new construction sites and we see a blimp in the sky a GCPD blimp as it shines its light down upon one of the buildings it says the city stinks of trash sweat urine and blood it stings in your nostrils you never stop tasting iron in the air the buildings are garish monstrosities twisted and strange and now it all seems entwined in scaffolding the sounds of the city scream at you without stopping it offends each of your senses in turn. I honestly believe that this city is driving each of you insane, but I suppose it'd have to for any of you to want to live here. And we see within one of the construction sites hanging from the beams, the steel girders, there's a, a person that's been tied up hanging there and they're hanging upside down. It says, if I had billions of dollars at my disposal, I'd pay each of you to move somewhere nice and burn it all to the ground so they could start over. That's what he should have done 
if he really cared about you. And the person hanging upside down says, why? Why are you saying all this? What do you want? And we turn the page and we see that Ghostmaker is standing with his sword, holding it towards the person hanging upside down that appears to be a member of uh, GCPD. He's a police officer. And Ghostmaker says, My ghostnet has already entangled its web deep into your computer systems. I've mapped key criminal patterns of the city and I'm going to solve each of them for you. But right now, there's a hole in the system and the hole is named Clown Hunter, a child you all seem to be allowing to keep doing your dirty work. You're going to tell me everything. I need to find him and I need to stop him. And the officer seems like he's quite distressed at this point as Ghostmaker edges his sword a little closer to his chest. Uh, the police officer says, I'm not a dirty cop. You can't threaten me like this. That's not how you bats work. Um, Ghostmaker seems to get a little bit annoyed by that comment. And he says, do I look like a bat to you? I am the Ghostmaker. I am better than Batman. And I am here to prove it. Now talk. And on the next page we get a full piece of art, a full page. Uh, where Batman seems to be wrapping himself quite acrobatically. Upside down, almost in a wrestling or uh, MMA kind of grappling pose. He's got a rather strange looking character who's... Uh, almost dressed like a clown. He has purple hair and uh, bright green trousers and pink trainers on. Uh, Batman's got hold of him whilst attached to his uh, grappling gun. Um, you can hear the oracles talking into his ear and she says they call themselves grinners. Most of them have partial facial paralysis due to exposure to various joker toxins we can see two other members of this uh, grinner gang they're also in um, really brightly colored clothes one of them has a jacket on a, almost like a pink leather jacket with a clown face on the back and he's got orange hair and the one that's a little further away looks a little bit more like the joker with green hair and we turn the page and we see Batman throwing uh, one of his batarangs. Oracle continues. These are the diehards. Most of the hired guns working for the costume set in Gotham float from boss to boss. But the Grinners are a bit too strange and too lethal to rely on. Most of them have spent stretches in Arkham or other psychiatric hospitals. And Batman throws one of the grinners into the back of a truck. And Oracle continues, The Smile Bar has been their hangout spot of choice for years. Going back to the Harley days, they tend to stay quiet during the lulls between Joker's big crimes. And we can see in the background of this um, what seems to be some kind of industrial estate that there's a door on a wall with a big uh, Joker smile painted on it. Batman looks up at the door and says, 
That's why I never shut the place down before. It's valuable to know exactly when they start getting ready for a big attack. Oracle continues. That's a clever way of saying you already know everything. I'm telling you, Batman. Don't make me guess my way through it. Why did you loop me in? We get a close-up of Batman's face. It says, Sometimes there are a few dozen of them, all armed, all eager, to prove themselves to Joker. I want eyes on the inside. And Oracle says, Lucius told you he won't keep repairing your suits, and you don't want to do it yourself, do you? Uh, we get a shot of Oracle, who's in the clock tower, uh, sat on um, a chair in front of a lot of different computer screens. She's got monitors. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight monitors that I can see. And the we can see the clock with uh, what looks like the sun shining through it in the background. Oracle says, I'm uploading a digital map of the interior to your cowl now using their cell phones. I'd say there are 12 of them total, including the bartender. The mood in there is calm, a few of them playing pool, a few of us sitting at the bar. It's a quiet night for them. And Batman says, I'm going in, stay in my ear. We get a close-up of Barbara Gordon's face, or Oracle's face. And she says, sure, the city's changing so fast right now. I don't know whether I do more good out on the streets as Batgirl or at the computer as Oracle. Seeing Cassandra and Stephanie wearing the bat symbol gave me some ideas, but it feels like I'm trying to solve an equation with too many variables. It feels like everything is changing, so Barbara's a little bit confused about whether she wants to be out in the street or not, even though she's always doing a really good job as Oracle, and I, I do enjoy her as Oracle at the moment. She says to Batman, this is all about that kid, isn't it? The clown hunter of the Narrows. You're trying to get rid of his targets before he kills anyone else. And Batman says, keep the channel quiet, Oracle. And then we see uh, Batman walking towards the main door of the Grinner's hideout with the smile on the door. And then him quite forcefully kicking the door open turn the page and there's a couple of uh, Snickers commercials done in a comic book format which always catches me out when I'm reading these um, Oracle says that's strange you're not registering on my body map it's on a loop damn it we've been played get out of there Batman it's a trap and Batman is looking round the bar but it's not as Oracle originally thought it was and all the members of the bar now are, let's just say, asleep and uh, having a very deep sleep. And Batman says, no, it's a message. And we turn the page and as Batman's looking around the hideout or the bar area, uh, Oracle says, I thought Clown Hunter was a kid with a bat being able to get around my surveillance software. And he looks at some graffiti on the wall that's uh, basically the uh, ghost maker symbol. And Batman says, this isn't Clown Hunter, this is something else. Uh, 
Um, we get a close-up of Batman's face who says, Oracle, deactivate your computer systems now. Maintain radio silence until I contact you. Oracle says, what the hell, Batman? What's going on? And Batman says, I'll explain when this is over. We get a shot of Oracle again at the clock tower. She seems quite shocked. And she says, don't cut me out now. I can help you through whatever this is. And Batman turns and walks out and says, I'm sorry, Oracle, but this is personal. We turn the page and we move from Gotham to Dublin Island. Uh, it says many years ago, so this is a flashback, and it's at the Druid's Tavern. It's a very detailed drawing of a man being thrown out of the window of the bar. Some really nice detailing on the metalwork of the sign and the wood in particular looks really, um, really detailed. The way that it's shattering and splintering. Um, the artwork by Jorge Jimenez is just, has been outstanding in this book. We see the man who's been thrown out the window. He's lying on the floor and a man then climbs out the window and says, I traveled a long way to find you. I was told that there is nobody on the planet who can wield a knife like you can teach me. The man on the floor says, what the hell do you think you're doing? As he slowly tries to pick himself up the floor. Uh, the man says, I needed to get your attention. You wouldn't listen in the bar. As the other man dusts himself off and dusts off the broken glass from his jacket, he says, Maybe I've had a long day and I'd earned a pint and some silence. And the man says, your name is Tommy Tivane. You're wanted in 16 countries. He, and the, I nearly did the accent then. The, the man who, I think is an Irish man, says, um, you got some kind of death wish as he pulls out two knives and starts to... Uh, sort of show off his skills. Uh, the other man, who I'm assuming at this point is Ghostmaker, says, uh, let me show you what I've learned already. I can prove to you that I'm a worthy pupil. And the man holding the knife says, really, you think you're something, don't you? And then we hear a voice in the background say, hey, he really does. And the man says, that voice. And we see a shadowy figure in the background who this is actually Ghostmaker now that's appeared. He says he thinks that he's better than you, Tommy. He thinks that he's better than all of us. You can't take it personally, of course. It's in his nature. It's how he was raised. And the man says no. Uh, he's a spoiled brat, a rich American who cries himself to sleep at night thinking of his dead parents. So this scene is actually, by the looks of it, is Bruce Wayne trying to fight the man with the knives and then Ghostmaker arriving on the scene. And we turn the page and that confirms that. We see Ghostmaker, he's in casual clothes. He's got a green uh, jacket on, a, a grey T-shirt, some uh, darker grey jeans and some what looks like some green uh, vans trainers on 
And he says, beat you again, Bruce. Go find your own knife expert. This one is mine. Bruce is quite angry and starts to run towards uh, Ghostmaker and says, I swore if I saw you again, I would break every bone in your body after what you did to our master in Morocco. Uh, the two begin to show off their uh, expertise and fighting skills. And Ghostmaker says, you need to stop living in the past and start living in the present. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to hit me. And we see a full page that's split with um, two uh, diagonal panels of them jumping around and doing their acrobatic martial arts out on the uh, rather soaked streets. It looks like it's been raining quite heavy there and they're fighting at night on the streets on what looks like a cobbled street. And Ghostmaker says, you want this training, you want this teacher, then you're going to have to beat me, Bruce. That's how this game works. Uh, Bruce says, I know, now shut up and fight me. And we see the man who's the knife, who has the knives, he's uh, hiccuping. He's probably had a few too many to drink. And he's basically saying he hates teenagers um, because this is at a time when Bruce and Ghostmaker were both training to become the people or the superheroes that they are now. And we turn the page and get a few more advertisements and we are back in Gotham City, this time in Little Santa Prisca, which is the home at the moment of Harley Quinn. And we get a shot of the sun shining down. It looks like a late afternoon as the sun's going down on the city and we are looking at an apartment block and we can see a speech bubble coming out of the apartment. It says, look, I'm reasonable. And it's Harley Quinn stood in the corridor of an apartment block with an elderly gentleman. And the gentleman says, don't look reasonable. Reasonable people don't dress up in costumes. Harley says, uh, you're kidding me. You turn on the news lately, uh, old man. Uh, I think the only reasonable people in this whole nutjob world dress up in costumes. You're telling me you wouldn't give Superman an apartment? And the old man points at Harley and says, you're not Superman. And Harley says, yeah, but he wouldn't offer you double rent for this uh, not so desirable place. And he's got class. Uh, me, I've got no class. I'm like a cockroach. The universe keeps stomping on and I keep popping back up. But this cockroach wants to settle down in a nice rundown apartment situation and live off garbage and all of that. And the old man thinks for a second and says, you're going to pay me double rent? And Harley says, I mean, I've got to scrounge it up first, but yeah, why not? The old man says... Yeah, if I say no, you're just going to break into the place and start living here until I give in, aren't you? And Harley responds, I mean, yeah. Um, and Harley seems quite surprised at this point. Uh, the older gentleman says double rent and you don't talk to the other tenants. They are good people. Uh, little Santa Prisco is a community. We live through, uh, we live through Bain. We live through Joker. 
uh, don't blow it all up with your nonsense and uh, as he's holding his finger out and pointing at her uh, Holly grabs his finger and, and shakes it um, and says you got it Charlie no nonsense I'm not here and uh, Harley pops her head back around the corner and says hey what's your policy on hyenas as she's talking we see uh, Harley through like a viewfinder or a scope as if she's being watched and we see a speech bubble saying oh look the clown lady got herself an apartment that's nice she looks so happy and that's when we see clown hunter uh, with his rather unique uh, costume uh, holding a baseball bat and looking for a telescope uh, he says somebody should get her a real nice housewarming present uh, while they still have a chance and he's looking back on all of his equipment that he's got including um, a rucksack and what looks like some weapons and some like a can of gas um, he starts looking at his phone and looks like uh, he's watching the news and it says now that you have all the necessary components you're ready to build your own homemade rocket launcher so maybe he's watching some kind of a tutorial on YouTube or the equivalent of YouTube uh, says thank you Mr. Internet I sure I'm ready and then we hear a voice in the background that says I didn't know um, I don't know kid seems like a good way to blow yourself up we turn the page and we see that Ghostmaker is behind Clown Hunter Clown Hunter uh, prepares his modified baseball bat to swing at Ghostmaker and says are you reading my phone's mind and Ghostmaker laughs and says not personally but my suit certainly is your search history is a real treat I must say inspirational even uh, as always the next generation blazes bold new trails through taboo Clown Hunter says I don't think I like you and Ghostmaker says, and you shouldn't. I'm afraid you're about to blow up an apartment. You're a criminal. And we get a, more of a close-up of Ghostmaker as he prepares to pull out one of his swords and says, see, I don't come from a backward place like Gotham. I come from the world out there. And out there, we don't just throw our killers back into the water with the other fish. We gut them. And Clown Hunter seems pretty shocked at this point that he's face to face with Ghostmaker and he says yeah really don't like you but we turn the page and Batman appears and he says that makes the two of us as he kind of dives on top of Ghostmaker uh, Batman looks at Ghostmaker and says Ghostmaker and Ghostmaker acknowledges Batman and they prepare to do the dance again. And Batman says, we had an agreement. This is my city. Then do your damn job, says Ghostmaker. Uh, Ghostmaker jumps into the air with his two swords and says, this city is rotting from the inside out, but you still won't do what must be done to save it. Why is this boy still on the streets, Batman? You could have locked him away or incapacitated him instead. You've left him free to kill again. Even a city as awful as Gotham deserves better than you. Uh, Batman says, I won't let you hurt the boy as he 
stops a ghost maker from swinging his sword at clown hunter and then ghost maker says then we'll do it like we did when we were young how about it batman i'll fight you for it as he uh, kicks batman in the side batman says i won't play a game for his life and ghost maker says you're missing the whole scale of the thing i'm not saying the winner takes the boy we turn the page and as we see Batman and Ghostmaker grappling and trying to uh, wrestle one another to the ground, uh, Ghostmaker says, the winner takes Gotham. And that is the end of Batman issue 102. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I hope that today's show helped you relax and go to sleep and have a great night's sleep. I'll be back again very soon with another episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you get all the new episodes downloaded to your device straight away. And I'll see you very soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.